Good morning. It's Wednesday, October 27th. I'm Duarte Geraldino. And I'm Shamita Basu. This is Apple News Today. Each morning, hear about some of the most fascinating stories in the news and how the world's best journalists are covering them. Congressional Democrats are working to cut a deal to spend a whole lot of money on infrastructure, supporting families, and climate. This week, there's a big focus on how to round up money to pay for all of that. Quite a few people thought some of the Trump tax cuts would be rolled back as a way to raise the money, but it looks like the votes aren't there. So Democrats are getting creative. One plan is a whole new tax, a billionaire's tax. It's an unusual idea, and not just because it targets a specific group of super wealthy people, but also because it would calculate what they owe the government in an entirely new way. Bloomberg explains how this new tax would work. First thing you need to understand is many ultra-wealthy people have their fortunes in stocks and other investments. They may be getting richer on paper, but until they sell those investments, they don't owe capital gains taxes. For a guy like Elon Musk, that means when Tesla has a really good year, the value of the stock he owns goes up, and he has what's called unrealized gains. But if he doesn't sell the stock, he's not paying taxes on those gains. Under this proposed plan, those unrealized gains would be taxed every year. This new tax would hit people with a billion dollars in assets or consistent annual income of $100 million or more. Nancy Pelosi says the plan could generate up to a quarter trillion dollars over 10 years. And Bloomberg estimates it could raise even more. Some Democrats have doubts about this plan. They worry it could be more complicated to enforce. And don't forget... Billionaires have expensive accountants and lawyers. They may find ways to shift their wealth to avoid the new taxes. Plus, there are questions about whether this plan is constitutional. The Supreme Court could block it. So Democrats have another option they're looking into to find funding, and that is a corporate minimum tax. The largest companies would pay a 15 percent minimum tax on their profits. This could potentially affect around 200 companies and raise hundreds of billions of dollars. The plan has support from the White House and from key senators. But like the billionaire tax, it's not so simple. And there's still a lot of dealing to be done. Workers across the U.S., they're fed up. From John Deere to Kellogg's, thousands of people have gone on strike. They're protesting pay and working conditions. And Time Magazine is reporting a lot of what we're seeing right now is employee-led. This is an important distinction. Some say workers are taking matters into their own hands because they don't think their unions are doing enough for them. Time points out the advantage that workers have in this moment. There are millions more job openings than there are people looking for work. Many workers are frustrated, and they aren't always waiting for direction from union bosses. They're speaking out and walking out in what's being called striketober. James Geiger works for John Deere in Iowa. He's not happy with how his union, United Auto Workers, is representing his interests. The way he sees it, the union isn't fighting hard enough for what workers want, like full pension and medical benefits at retirement. Some union members are bypassing leaders, and they're sharing their experiences directly on social media to try and drum up support. Time explains how this is a departure from typical union strategy. Messaging has often gone through carefully controlled press releases from leadership. One Kellogg's worker says, in this moment, unions should recognize the value of employees telling their own stories in their own voices. 
Time spoke to the president of AFL-CIO, and she says big unions like hers could do a better job of connecting with grassroots movements. And she admits many people don't think unions are doing enough about issues they care about. She says it's up to union leaders to make a stronger case. We all know how hard women have been hit during the pandemic. About a million more women fell out of the workforce than men. But here's another development that's getting less attention. During this same period of time, a lot of millennial women decided to get more involved in investing for their financial future. A lot of women were taking stock of their financial health, and that caused them to reevaluate what investing looked like for them. Sarah Diamond writes about this for The Washington Post. She points out, of the more than 10 million new brokerage accounts opened during the pandemic, there's evidence women were signing up at higher rates. At Fidelity, the number of women investing grew faster than men. According to Diamond, there are a few possible reasons why women have traditionally been less inclined to invest. One economics professor tells Diamond, Girls and boys are socialized differently when it comes to talking about money, and that can play a huge role in how they act as adults. Diamond says just getting started can be daunting. How do you make a Robinhood account? How do you make a Fidelity account? How much money should I put in? Which stocks should I be investing in? Diamond speaks to a lot of millennial women about how they think about money and how they've gotten deeper into investing. You can read their stories in the full article in the Apple News app. Just tap the notification we send you midway through the show. Did your breakfast this morning include a Pop-Tart? Don't be embarrassed. Nothing to be ashamed of. I used to eat them a lot growing up. I remember all these unusual flavors that would come out every now and then. But in the end, you know, all roads lead back to strawberry. And right now, just how much strawberry is actually in there is the subject of a $5 million lawsuit. The Wall Street Journal looked into how these iconic toasted pastries have been the subject of multiple complaints in federal courts. And get this, the latest suit says the whole grain frosted strawberry Pop-Tart actually has more apples and pears than strawberries. The suit calls the name false, deceptive, and misleading. Kellogg's told the journal it doesn't comment on pending litigation. You know, the Wall Street Journal does this really funny thing with stories like this. They find impressively passionate people who have, frankly, extremely normal opinions. And then they present them in this super straight, serious way. And it makes everyone sound like an academic or something. Anyway, they found these Pop-Tart fans. And one guy's reaction to the idea of apples and pears being in his strawberry Pop-Tart, he said, it's like you just told me there's no Santa Claus. But then he also said he's really not offended. It's not like there's raw meat or something crazy in there. Now, the lawyer behind these suits says labels should be more clear. He says pears and apples are great fruits that deserve credit. But as he fights Kellogg's in court, he's gobbling up these tarts and loving it. He can't quite resist what's inside that shiny foil packaging. He bought cases of Pop-Tarts for research. And he says they taste good. You can find all these stories and more in the Apple News app. And while you're in the app, keep listening to hear narrated articles from our News Plus partners. We'll talk with you again tomorrow.